Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to Praying for America. Thank you so much. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. And it's great to have our uh, fellow patriots and Christians from across the country joining us again for our program. Well, tonight I am very, very excited to have uh, our our guest, uh, whom I know through the uh, America First Policy Institute. He is a senior advisor for the Center for American Values. There are various centers, I believe 22 of them, uh, that comprise the AFPI. We have talked to you before about the America First Policy Institute and hope that you are uh, getting connected uh, with them and, and reading the, uh, the very helpful and inspiring uh, materials that they put out. But we're going to talk to Mark Zeldin, who's originally from New Orleans and who serves now at the, uh, the AFPI, uh, but also served in President Trump's administration. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you, Father. It's, a, it's really a pleasure to, to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. We were together just the other day for a uh, briefing. Uh, I was privileged to be part of that panel discussion uh, at the America First Policy Institute uh, regarding this upcoming Dobbs decision of the Supreme Court. Uh, and just the other events that I've been at with the AFPI have been just so inspiring. Um, and as with yourself, this institute uh, brings together so many people who worked uh, for uh, and under President Trump uh, during his administration. Tell us about what your responsibilities were in the Trump administration. You were over at the uh, Department of Labor. That is correct. That is correct. Well, I guess I'll, I'll just say the, the, the last position that I held was um, I held a number of positions. So one was the director of budget and finance. Uh, which is a position in the office of the secretary, uh, works with other budget uh, entities within the department on the annual budget, within the budget year, things of that sort. I have that. That's some of my professional career background. But about halfway through President Trump's first term, um, I had an opportunity to be uh, in an acting capacity as the faith director for the Centers for Faith and Opportunity Initiative, which is part of President Trump's faith initiative that we can certainly get into more detail. But I, I was asked by the secretary to serve in that capacity sort of as an acting role, like as just in addition to my other responsibilities. But as that position grew and the responsibilities grew, um, he then asked, you know, would I consider being the permanent director, which I was, of course, agreed to do and did for the second half of the President Trump's first term. Now, the role of uh, faith, uh, I, I was just uh, at one of President Trump's talks, actually, at Ralph Reed's conference, uh, mm -hmm. The Road to Majority, and uh, uh, the president got up and spoke for two hours and 20 minutes and certainly didn't feel it certainly didn't feel that long. You know, I can uh, just so enjoy those those talks, whether it's whether it's at a rally or at a conference. Uh, but he was just so emphasizing the role of faith. Um, the role of faith in founding America, the role of faith in uh, extricating our country from evils like slavery and segregation and now from abortion. Uh, he just emphasized so well that this is a battle we have these days uh, against truth itself, 
he said, against morality itself, against conscience. Tell us about the, the, the role that, the, well, the way that President Trump, not only professionally and in, in his administration, but personally, values the role of faith. Yeah. So, and he does, you know, and, and, and it's just interesting for those of us of a certain age group and generations, you know, and, and, and I have family in New York, even though I did grow up in New Orleans. So I've known who he was for a long time, but it's just interesting that somebody with perhaps not as overt of a history in the space has over time matured and really become a tremendous leader in the space. So what he did uh, by executive order, it was on the national day of prayer, I believe it was in 2018. It could be 2017. I'd have to go back and look exactly. I think you may have been there for, for one or more of those. But he signed an executive order that created the Centers for Faith and Opportunity Initiative. And what, what distinguished it from the original faith uh, uh, effort by former President George W. Bush and modified to a certain extent by President Obama was the focus on opportunity. Um, you know, there, there's there's obviously a lot of faith-based stakeholders in, you know, uh, caring for the poor, um, uh, adoption, foster care, you know, prison ministry. There, there's there's uh, all sorts of across, really across all s- social sectors. But he wanted to sort of add to it the the component that faith-based stakeholders have in uh, job training, in s- jobs and, and, and employment, and, and ensuring that those voices were part of policy that was, were, was in that space. And of course, the Department of Labor has a significant role in you know, the labor and employment law and rulemaking and policy. So I was always invited and part of significant conversations on important policy. We can get into those to a degree of specificity that you think uh, people would want to. But we were, we were always in the room when key decisions were made by stakeholders on issues that he felt like faith-based stakeholders should be part of. So I, 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 I don't know what it was like previously because I did not serve in the executive branch uh, before President Trump. But talking to longtime people that have been around in Washington that were here in the 1980s and the 1990s through the, the W. Bush and, and Obama years say that the, the, the role of faith-based stakeholders in formulating policy was really unprecedented, second to, to none. And it really it's something obviously I'm proud that I had an opportunity to be part of in, the, in that capacity. But it, uh, but but having those things, I think I, I just felt like, you know, we our voices were being heard when decisions were made. Didn't always get what we wanted, but I felt like we were being integrated in a way that apparently had not ever been done previously. Well, for those that are just joining us, friends, we're talking with Mark Zeldin, who uh, is uh, representing now the America First Policy Institute. He's a senior advisor there uh, and uh, worked under President Trump at the Department of Labor. And also, as we're discussing here, uh, in, uh, uh, in the effort to make faith a, a, a central part of, of, of uh, public policy. And, and Mark, this is something that... Um, a lot of our fellow citizens don't understand that it's not we're not just talking about one. I remember, again, you mentioned George W. Bush. You know, we, we always heard about the office of faith based initiatives. And yes. And, and we thought of it as an office. But under President Trump, we're talking here about multiple faith offices across the spectrum, aren't we, of the of the federal uh, agencies? Tell us how how this structure you just told us a, 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 a little bit, but. Give us an idea that how broad based this was. Yes. So uh, I think the Department of Labor model was 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 a good one. I think if you talk to people in and around the the, the, the space, 
that that we were a good representation, I think, about what the president wanted. In essence, it was a position that was within the office of the secretary of just about every department of, of the of the uh, of the federal government, but also some other important agencies, too. Um, so, you know, again, I you don't want to get too far in the weeds about it, but 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 most departments have a secretary, right, or or, or equivalent. And they're sort of the head of the leadership of the particular department. And then there's policy and just other things that emanate from that. So if you're in that space, you know, in other words, my office was just down from the secretaries himself, I mean, around the corner, but in those kind of suite of offices, interacting with all the specific entities that were agencies within the Department of Labor. You know, and there was about uh, 12 to 14. I forget the exact number, but we were constantly making the Labor Department's more of a rulemaking and a policymaking agency than it is a budget, you know, a grant making uh, department like some others are. So there would be consequential things that were always coming up. And what he wanted was is what I got to do at the department, which is when those decisions were being made, my, me and I had some staff too. I had a deputy and, and, and a handful of other, some legal, some attorneys and things. When these policies were being formulated within the department, some things were directed by the White House and, and executive orders. Other things were just policy things. Some things were in tandem with other departments that at, at every step of the process, my, me and my staff were involved in those conversations. Um, so again, if there was a faith-based perspective, that that perspective was part of it. Like we, we, we were involved with promulgating a rule to implement the first paid leave plan that came from one of the pandemic response bills. It was the Treasury Department. I think it was Department of Health and Human Services and the Labor Department. And so you've got like the key assistant secretaries of policy, you know, these very you know, influential people in the departments. But my, my faith base, you know, we were there. Um, yeah. HHS was there. Um, so it's just one of those important things where that voice had not been part of the regular policy decision making uh, processes of, uh, of, an, of, of a presidency until President Trump. You know, Mark, I, uh, I remember experiencing this uh, uh, firsthand uh, during the years uh, of President Trump. Um, every once in a while, I'd, I'd get invited to come on to a conference call, and it would be a briefing, and we, uh, I, together with uh, various other faith leaders, pro-life leaders, other ministries, uh, clergy, etc., were, I remember uh, these briefings telling us, for example, you know, here are the steps we have taken, and they would go into quite a bit of policy detail, but essentially the message we were getting was, uh, uh, was, uh, was twofold. That, number one, because we were a faith-based organization, we would not have to jump through more hoops right. to, for example, get a grant from the government or enter right. into some kind of contractual agreement with the, the government. We would not have to go through more hoops than a secular organization would. That was the, the one big point that we were getting. And the other big point that was made clear to us was uh, as we contract, if we contract in some way with the government, we are not going to be asked to be quiet about our faith. We are not going to be asked, uh, even more importantly, to, to compromise our faith in the things that we would be required either to do or not to do. This sure. was so refreshing. I can't well, tell you how, encour how encouraging this was. Yeah. Um, yeah. was. Tell us about some more about all of that. I mean, that yeah. was that was really the effort of the administration, wasn't no, it? it? It was, you know, and it was when you know, I was encouraged when I, I was invited on a regular basis by the White House, the Office of Public, I guess it was public engagement. You know, there's there's different entities within the executive office of the, of the White House, you know, to come and brief 
faith-based stakeholders, you know, about some of these things that we're doing, right? So sometimes it would be specific, right? It would be like specific, a Catholic group. Sometimes it would be an evangelical. Sometimes it was Jewish groups. And, uh, you know, I'm of Jewish ancestry, so uh, I, I have family in, 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 in that realm as well. But, but, but I would specifically talk about the labor department we're doing. And, you know, like, for example, we, we uh, enforce anti-discrimination, some civil rights uh, laws in government contracting are done at the Department of Labor, not the Justice Department. It's a bad, President Lyndon Johnson signed an executive order. That's a whole other, <laughs> whole other. <laughs> the fact of the matter is we, we did that. And so we promulgated a rule. Uh, basically, what a rule does is there's the law, right? The Congress passes the law, the, the, the executive branch enforces it. But we just clarified where there was some ambiguity from the Obama administration years about faith-based stakeholders and what, you know, what commitment and obligations and equal treatment, like you were saying in parity, there was some real concern that that was, they were moving and they were moving away from that. We, we issued rule, one rule just for the labor department and my office actually was the lead agency, but then we also did one government wide with all the faith-based stakeholders. I think it was about a dozen or so departments, you know, to ensure that it wasn't just, you know, in government contracting, but it was it, it covered all the departments. So it was it was a tremendous effort. It was something that we got done in 2020. The current administration, of course, is trying to uh, is trying to undo those. But as they're finding, you know, some of them are embedded pretty well. But I think it goes to the issue of the president really made this a priority. Pastor Paula White, who you know, uh, you know, well, she was heading up the faith initiative at within the White House itself. So she was the head of the the Center for Faith and Opportunity Initiative, right, which was at the White House. And then the Centers for Faith and Opportunity Initiative were offices at all the departments, including where I was at labor. And she would we would have regular internal calls with the faith based directors. And she would always say the president once every week. Well, how is it coming on this? You know, what are we what are we what are we doing on that? Now, granted, he's talking to his spiritual advisor. And of course, he's going to be interested in those issues when he's talking to her. But the fact that he's like, hey, why is this taking so long? Like, let's hurry this up. Let's make sure we do this. I know this is important. Tells you that um, he he really made it a personal priority. And when I discuss this with more secular colleagues and friends and professional people, uh, they are surprised because I guess just because of his history growing up you know, and the role that we all kind of knew of him in New York in the 1980s, that it just didn't seem to fit the character of the stereotype, perhaps that they had image that they had formed of him. When the reality was behind the scenes, he made it a very uh, a regular effort to know what, what mattered to faith-based stakeholders and that were the issues that mattered to faith-based stakeholders being addressed in a, in a, in a timely and prompt fashion. And Mark, what about the the contrast now? I mean, I I, I was um, looking uh, not long ago at some research that uh, Pew Research put out about how religiously affiliated Americans are gravitating towards the Republican Party, and people who are atheist, uh, who don't go to church, don't read the scriptures, don't pray gravitate towards the Democrat Party. I mean, it, 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 there seems to be certain and, and very clearly measurable dynamics like this, uh, where the religious practice and political uh, uh, affiliation are, are, are matching up in this way. So this is quite different now under, under the Biden administration, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and I see it in my own extended family. 
you know, I, I've got, you know, my mom's family has uh, some some Anglican and Episcopalian background. Um, my father's family, as I've mentioned, is is, is Jewish uh, pr primarily. But uh, but in our family, the people that are more regularly going to houses of worship are more center right and to the right. So, you know, it's anecdotal, I, I'll admit, but I think it does it does follow those trends. Um, you know, I. I it's unfortunate, you know, quite frankly. I mean, it's just the realities of, of the world that we inhabit. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a time where a person of faith could be a Democrat, you know, and I have members of my own family. My own, my own mother was, you know, until the 1970s, very comfortably as a sort of center-left Democrat. But it, it is unfortunate. I think the most unfortunate thing that, that I've experienced, certainly here working uh, in Washington with, with the President Initiative, is is the real hostility towards people of faith and, and, and quite frankly, ignorance of, of, of what motivates uh, people of faith and, and how it shapes their worldview and, and, and their kindness and compassion for others and their charity to others and their philanthropy to, uh, to, to others. Um, but it's because people are kind of gravitating into these separate worlds, unfortunately. And, and uh, yeah. we were privy to some conversations here at America First today that I thought were very interesting on some polling data that uh, that showed that uh, I won't get into the specifics, but I think the, 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 what's relevant to what the question you asked me is, is a greater and greater percentage of people that consider them to call themselves Democrats have a greater and greater hostility towards persons of faith, just as a person of faith. Not yeah. even like just make all these assumptions about them that are harsh and cruel and, and ugly and quite frankly, not true if they actually, you know, interacted with folks like you and myself and, and others. So it's it's an unfortunate trend. I, I'm not sure how, you know, how it can be curbed. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think those who are motivated by faith and do wonderful things uh, for the glory of God, of God on a daily basis, you know, uh, God bless them because they're going to keep doing it you know, in spite of the harshness or, or or the arrows that are thrown to them. Because quite frankly, when Jesus said, if you follow, he didn't say, if you follow me, you know, all the pretty powerful and, and respectable people will be there for you. That's not what he said. <laughs> <laughs> he said, follow me and he follow you're going to know it better than I. But, you know, he basically said, if you follow me, you will, you know, there will be hardship. You 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 will face difficulties. So it's hey, yes. it's, it's 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 just part and parcel of, of 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 doing what we feel like is 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 God's will, and uh, it can be tricky at times, no doubt. And you know, my my road to get here was was quite unorthodox, but but I'm, I feel very comfortable that this is what uh, God's called me to do, and, and and really a lot of my colleagues that are in the faith initiative. Well, we are certainly grateful for your work. One, one final question. Tell, tell our viewers how they can get in touch with the America First Policy Institute and just kind of in a nutshell what this, uh, this fantastic uh, uh, institute is, is doing uh, that you are a part of. Now. Sure. sure. So uh, the America First Policy Institute, you, uh, your listeners or, or viewers can go to AmericaFirstPolicy.org. America First, let me make sure that I... <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Um, okay. Uh, and now that I, here we go, we're going back to <laughs> AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Uh, it's a very user-friendly website. You can go and you can click and see the specific centers like the Center for American Values. You can see what our mission is. You can see the things that we put out. We actually put out a, a very good paper, kind of a scholarly paper that was published about a week ago about abortion and really showing with very, very, good polling data and very well uh, sourced just how extreme the left has become on abortion. You know, yeah. I know you knew that well, Father, but killing babies up till birth was a 
was was even amongst the sort of radical left was not something that they really talked about. But in the last few years, really starting with New York and Governor Cuomo and and, and moving and, and, and doing that bill like that. But, you know, we put out those sort of scholarly things. There are op eds that we publish. We comment on various uh, cases, you know, that that matter to, to faith based stakeholders. We, we, we will have a policy summit uh, in Washington, here in Washington, on the 25th and 26th of July. Uh, the 20 or so centers will each have, you know, various activities. The Center for American Values will uh, will be participating in that. There'll be more details, uh, but, but if you go to AmericaFirstPolicy.com, uh, there'll be updates. Uh, there is an ability for, your, for your, your, your viewers to register and be part. You don't have to be some fancy lawyer or think tank person. Uh, you could be a person that just cares about the country, cares about life. Uh, and can contribute. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of work to do, of course, as you might well imagine, Father, just all the internal things to get everything ready for that. But we, we will be having a paper that day that I think some of your viewers will be interested in. And that's sort of the uh, the biblical and godly foundations to government policy. You know, and, Mark, and- I... Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know I, I know you'll appreciate. It. I know a lot of your listeners and viewers will. It really gets specific, fairly specific about scripture and church teaching uh, and how it fits into uh, the narrative of America first. That is awesome work. I want to thank you for it. I look forward to intersecting with you uh, often as mm-hmm. I, uh, too, participate with uh, America First Policy Institute. And let me conclude our conversation with reference to President Trump's picture, which I always have in my broadcasts. And, you know, yeah. Mark, when I was doing that uh, early on, I'd get, I'd get questions from some of the viewers. Oh, why do you have President Trump's picture there? <laughs> and I want to share it with you because you'll appreciate it as much as anyone yeah. what, what my answer was. I said, because if he weren't where he is, we wouldn't be where we are. True. And I referenced the fact of how, you know, Priests for Life was one of the, the organizations that had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to defend ourselves against the Obama uh, contraception mandate. Rule, yeah. And, uh, you Which know, was right. a rule, by the way, Father. That was not actually in the law. They probably right. the rule to force you all to do that it was it was terrific. God right. bless that the court ruled that he and the president remember signed the executive order, just r- r- giving you an additional layer of protection to ensure just that there wasn't any ambiguity. God bless That's him for right. that. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. The, the poor there, the little sisters of the poor. Actually, I remember I was there at the White House. It was amazing. That's right. That's no, I right. Mean, I didn't mean to interject. I just thought it was a relevant nugget, you know. No, it's it just and it goes right to the to the core of the work that you have done uh, under President Trump and that you continue to do with the AFPI. So we're so grateful. We're so grateful to the president and we're so grateful to you and to all your colleagues. I mean, what a fantastic group of people President Trump gathered around him. And uh, thanks for being part of that. And uh, thank thanks you. for sharing all this with our viewers today. Well, thank you. It's an, an honor to, 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 to be able to participate. Uh, we look forward to being a resource to you and your and your viewers in any, in any fashion that we can in the months ahead. Thank you, Mark Zeldin. God bless you, and God bless you all, brothers and sisters. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that interview I did recently with Mark. Uh, very, very, always very good to talk with uh, people who worked in the Trump administration. They have such a love for America and such a clarity of mind about the values that we all share. Uh, particularly as we discussed here, the role of faith in American life uh, and, uh, 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 and the religious freedom. And religious freedom and the role of faith in American life have just been given a big boost, as you know, by the United States Supreme Court in two key decisions recently handed down. 
the, uh, the Carson decision out of Maine, uh, giving uh, acknowledging that uh, people cannot be deprived of an otherwise available public benefit for which they are eligible uh, simply because of their religious beliefs. They can't be deprived of that. So these parents who sent their uh, students to um, their children to religious schools, not being able to uh, have the district uh, pay for that with the tuition just because it was a religious school, Supreme Court said that's not right. And, of course, the Coach Kennedy case uh, upholding his rights to engage in prayer, even though it was on a ball field, uh, uh, in public, uh, as a, an employee of the school. Nevertheless, uh, come on, it, 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 the Constitution does not uh, allow the government to punish us for religious expression. So people like President Trump, people like uh, uh, Mark, who worked in the administration, and all of us. We understand this. We'll continue to defend it. So let's pray. Lord, we pray for America tonight rooted in faith in you as our founding document, the Declaration of Independence declares. We rely on you. We trust in your providence. We appeal to you as the supreme judge of the world. We see our rights coming from you, starting with life. Lord, all is subservient to you. You are the God of the, nat- the, na- uh, God of the nation, God of the universe. Uh, and, and we acknowledge the laws of nature and of you, nature's God. So, Lord, continue to enable us to fight for, to speak for, to lobby for, to litigate for, where necessary, our freedom to worship you, to pray to you, and to apply your teachings to our lives, both private and public. Thank you, Lord. Bless all those who worked in the Trump administration, including our guests today, for what they have done for religious freedom, for the acknowledgement of faith in public life, and bless us as we continue to build America on those principles. And now we pray for this and for all the needs of our viewers by using the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. At the top of the hour, join me again online, endabortion.tv and my social media platforms at FR Frank Pavone for a live program on the Dobbs case. I'll be talking with Janet Morana. We'll be analyzing more about this decision, getting into the reasons why the court reversed Roe versus Wade. You're not going to want to miss that. You'll be able to talk about this case in a more informed way than most people in America. So top of the hour, we'll be back with that. Thanks so much. And uh, God bless you. Connect also with Right Side Broadcasting, of course, at RSB Network. Spread the word about this program. We'll be back again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.